You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. Hey, good morning. Yeah, it's been good today, hasn't it? Yeah? Yes, he can. Yes, he did. Yes, he can. All right, I'm not a cheerleader, so I'll stop. It's great to see you today. You know, um, thinking about kicking this service off and walking through this passage, and I just kept coming back to something I, I just need to share. Like, I, I'm the new guy, right? And so you don't know who I am and how we approach this time, what our hopes are in this Sunday morning, these 30, 35 minutes every Sunday. And I just thought, you know what, I just need to, to, to share a little bit about what goes through my heart and mind as I approach these moments with you every Sunday. I'm always thinking through the week about who's sitting in this room on Sunday morning. And I think about the fact that no doubt some of you have come in and we do our thing with music, we, we do all these things, we then take this time to have this, this preaching of the, the word of God. And I'm always, I'm always thinking of that person that walks in, sits down and thinks, oh man, he's gonna talk from that book. And that book just seems to be so hard to understand. I, I've tried to read that. I've tried to understand that. It's just hard. I, I, don't, I don't get it. Maybe I'm talking to people who, honestly, when we come to this point, you're thinking, this is so boring. I just gotta get through 30 minutes. That's being generous, right? 30 minutes. There are others like, okay, we're gonna talk about this and you know this old text and these principles. I'm not sure really how relevant it is or it really speaks to the thing I'm walking through this week or does the, would the Bible even understand the 21st century? Others, it's just like, it's, it's just too complex. I was thinking about that this week and it, you know, you know, life teaches us that to excel at anything, it doesn't just happen. We always, we love to see like our kids or somebody like, man, they're just a natural, right? Like a sports guy here, like when my kids, like somebody, one of them threw a ball, I'm like, oh man, he's a natural, right? We just, are they a natural at this? Or we, but honestly, even though we all have natural propensities to certain things, life teaches us that to excel at anything, it just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen Naturally, think with me about this. You know, I was, I'm a parent now, and Colby the other day picked up something new, and he, uh, he messed around with it, and after about 10 minutes, you could tell he just gave up. Now, he probably could be very good at what it was, but he just had this mentality, if I can't pick it up in 10 minutes, I'm done, I'm moving on, right? Like, think about life, though. Uh, back to the parenting thing, did you ever watch your kids learn to walk? I, I don't think you remember learning to walk, at least I don't think any of us did, right? Most of the time we're too young, but um, 
You watch your kids learn to walk like, man, it's just over and over and over. Push yourself up on the chair. Do this. Go to take a step. Hit the ground. Cry. Bruise. Get up. Balance yourself. Like we naturally are meant to walk, but it just didn't happen. It was over and over and over of finally figuring out balance, right? And then it started to happen. Think about like, um, again, parent thing, like (laughs) helping your kids learn how to read. This is painful. (laughs) Or am I just a bad dad? But I almost sometimes, oh, Lord, I'd rather have a root canal right now. (laughs) The. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Like, it takes 50 minutes to read a little book. All of us can read, right? Now we're proficient, or we should be, or (laughs) I'm not going to ask (laughs) it. Like, great, we read. It just didn't happen. Right? Like I'm at the stage now as a parent, I've got a a kid who's on the cusp of his driver's license. Now you understand why my anxiety level's a little higher right now. Driving around the country roads, Gomer and Elida and Delphus, sitting in the passenger side tensed up, like... Okay, the turn says 35, 35. 50 is not 35. This is my truck. Like he, you know, like it's amazing to watch him just in the, the time spent from the first get in to now. That life teaches us this, right? Why do we think so often that faith is just kind of this natural type thing? It's either do it and it just happens and we just get it. I mean, life doesn't teach us that. Career, careers. I mean, you might have the capacity to be an astronaut or an engineer. You might be smart enough but you cannot just waltz into NASA tomorrow and say, I'm smart enough to go in the control center in Houston. You have to patiently learn, right? Like anybody signing up to fly an airplane or have a surgery with just a smart guy? You might be smart enough to be a pilot, but I'm not getting in the plane with you yet. I'm not letting you, you might be smart enough to be a doctor, but you get, you get where I'm going? Teaching might be good with kids, but until we know the stuff ourselves and then know the techniques and classroom management, like it's just a disaster, right? I mean, think about, I always reference Michael Jordan. I do that on purpose because I like to aggravate my son, who's a LeBron James fan. Michael Jordan obviously had the capacity to be great, but it just didn't happen. I mean, here's Michael Jordan, after he's won championships numerous times, has accomplished all this stuff, he's the guy that 
at four o'clock in the morning, he's getting up, driving across a dark city to a, a, a gym by himself and shooting baskets, right? Life teaches us. And my hope is that you would be willing with the word of God to be willing to say, you know what? Sometimes it's hard to understand. I'm not sure I have a grasp on that. I'm not, like, right? But you would be willing to allow your mind, would you give your mind and know that you will as you allow your mind to be filled with this truth and the Holy Spirit begins to apply it in your life and the community of believers around talk about it, talk what they've learned, people teach and preach and, and it, it just, right? If you'll allow yourself, it's amazing how all of a sudden it starts to catch and like, oh, okay. I know what he meant. I get that. I see that. I, yeah, experience that. The word was right, right? I see it now. That's my hope on these Sunday mornings. And so as we walk through this book of Ephesians, I'm just asking, let your mind, let it work. Don't need a changing screen, entertaining graphics, or splashy media. Like, that's not real life, right? Like, we understand that the most valuable things in life, if they are healthy and right, they take time and they take our energy and our focus, our relationships, all these things. And the word of God, if you will allow yourself, give yourself, not just throw in the towel. I just be like, I don't know what that word means. Never heard of that word. I'm done. Right? Right? Allow the Lord to, you have the capacity. You have the capacity to get what God has put in his word for us to understand. And so guess what? You guys are second service. So if I do something I don't like in the first service, I get to change it. So you don't tell second service that, right? So today was walk through chapter three, one through 21. That's a lot to bite off, especially for someone like me. All right? And um, I just decided to switch it up this service because the first 13 verses of chapter three for those of you that maybe not have been here, we're in this series in Ephesians. It's a series on identity. It's a series on, okay, this is who you are in Christ. And then out of that, this is, it's answering the question then, how then should we live? What is God's plan for our life? And we've begun to grab a hold of certain words. We're people that like labels. We like to, I'm a parent, I'm a hard worker, I'm smart, I'm poor, I'm rich. We put ourselves in so many boxes. It's just human nature. But it's like Paul, as he's writing this book and the spirit is trying to help us, would you allow certain labels to impose themselves over every other thing you give yourself? Would you see yourself as God sees you as his child? 
right? And for three chapters, three and a half chapters, he keeps helping him get this idea of who it is to be in Christ. In fact, it's cool that we also see that not only is he doing this thing in our own lives, but he's actually helping us to see that our identity becomes something that we identify far bigger than just myself. Chapter two, he's starting to move it to like, you begin to see yourself as not me, but we. Like, I can't help but see my identity. Like, you look at Chip, and I want you to think Chip and the church. Like, because it was just all intertwined. Like, I see myself as needing the body of Christ. In fact, I see myself as a part of the body of Christ, right? And that's where he's starting to move that needle in chapter two uh, to where they can begin to understand what he's gonna talk about in, in chapter four about, listen, identity is tied into way bigger than just you, it's we. And he takes this detour for 13 verses in chapter three, where he kind of, uh, you ever take a detour? Sometimes they're really bad, right? You gotta be somewhere and you come up on that road, that yellow, that orange sign, and it's 15 minutes later. Or sometimes detours, we took a trip out west, uh, summer of 21, and honestly, some of the funnest things that happened to us, the, the best memories we have were the unplanned detours we took. It's fun, right? And Paul does that. He just, he can't help himself. He's writing this and all of a sudden he takes a detour. And basically, essentially, the detour is, guys, like I have a role. I have a purpose. God gave me a role and a purpose. In fact, what he's trying to say is just as God has given me a role and a purpose, I was the guy to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. So too you and I all have a role and a purpose. That as we are for, we're seeing our identity formed in Christ, as we are moving from the me to we, we see that the part of the we, the part of the reason God has wired us the way he is and, and developed and designed all this is that you were, you were created to serve a role and a purpose for the good of the kingdom of God. Like he, for 13 verses, he just kind of talks about his own role and purpose. Chapter four goes back to that, so I'm gonna kind of hit that in chapter four again. But I did share this point in first service. Purpose goes a long way in shaping our identity. Like, it, the kingdom is moving from what can I get to what can I give. Like, the purpose of life is not to consume the purpose of life is to enhance, to serve, to use what I've been giving to see the kingdom of Jesus Christ come into this world. Like that's, that's what's at play here. And Paul's like, I'm exhibit A, like I'll share my thing, but I'm reminding you that you have your thing. And if you want to live in Christ and, and take on this identity that God always designed you, you will have it with the lens of like, man, life is not meant to get, but to be used. And purpose goes a long way in shaping. But then, and this is where I want to land, he comes to these verses. It's like some of my favorite scriptures 
in all the New Testament. It's like in the middle of this book of Ephesians, he's been laying out, you know, this is who you are. This is who you are. This is what you have. This is who you are. And he's like carefully moving toward now that who you, this is who you are. This is what it means for then how you live. This is what it looks like lived out. In chapters four, five, and six, he's like telling us how, how does it work in relationships? How does it work in the job, in the market? How does it work with uh, unbelievers? How does it work uh, like amongst one another? How do, like, how do we live with one another in harmony? And how do we get the best for one another? How do we love one another, right? And it's like there's this linchpin. Is that a linchpin? Sometimes I do weird things that don't make sense. And um, it's like, this is a key thing to understand. Like, this is a key piece of information from moving from who you are to how to make it work in the real world. It's in these verses. Let's read them together. Chapter three, verse 14. For this reason, I kneel. So Paul is starting to to share a prayer. I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power. The the words here, glorious riches, it's, it's this idea of, it's the opposite of allowance. You ever grow up with an allowance? Me neither. (laughs) We weren't even that rich. It's the opposite of scarcity mentality. It's not, well, you got an allowance here. God's given you some and you better be careful on how you use it because it might run out before it's time to get some more. You know, like the paycheck to paycheck kind of This is like, guy's got a blank check. Grace, and it's just limitless. Like, you're not going to, you should not concern yourself with, oh God, I need some more help, but I asked him for help yesterday, and so I might want to wait a few days before I ask him again. Like human relationships, right? It's like, asking a billionaire for a dollar a day, you know? It's like out of his glorious riches, this is what he wants to do. This is the linchpin. He wants to strengthen you with power. This word power is the, it's the word dynamis, dynamite, explosive power. The kind of power that you're able to, it's kind of like take that stick of dynamite, put it under a rock, light it on fire, and blow up the rock. Like this is explosive power. I want to give you, I want to strengthen your life with this explosive, can do, are able, fully capable power through his spirit in your inner being. I'm praying 
that you might have a strong inner man. Think about with me about this. Maybe this is a visual for you. Did you know when you see an iceberg, you're only seeing 10%? Everybody know that? Did I teach anybody something new today? Please. (laughs) Somebody give me a pity hand. Okay. Yeah. You see videos of icebergs, guess what? 90% of that iceberg, even as vast as it is, the 10%, 90% is below. It's a lot of hidden stuff that we don't see. Let's apply that to our life. Your behavior is what's visible. Below the waterline are your thoughts, your attitudes, your beliefs, your values, and under all that, your integrity that shapes what then is seen. So often our world has this superficial analysis about behavior. For instance, you realize, I'm not very kind. I need to be a kinder person, right? That's an analysis. So we mix it with a superficial focus. I'll practice saying nice things to people. How's that working for you? (laughs) It lasts about a week, right? We all know this. Because that kind of approach, just do better, try harder, pull it up, always fall short. Because you never get below the surface. Why don't you say kind things? Well, it's because of the wounds and the self-perceptions and the motivations that drive who I am inside. Right? Like, we band-aid it instead of going in and fixing it. And so the band-aid lasts for a while, but the wound persists, and it's only a matter of time. <laughs> Looking at married couples, no. like, man, you're not a kind person anymore. Oh, I'll try harder again. Right? What is being prayed here? It's not only what you have in Christ and who you become in Christ, how it needs to be lived out then in the world, how it's the hope of the world, how it's the hope of your life, it's the abundant life, it's a filled life, it's the purpose-filled life. But the key to that all happening is for you and I to experience the Holy Spirit strengthening our inner man. I mean, life has pressures, distresses, troubles, trials. We all know that. And these things end up tearing up the inner man. They devastate us. They steal our joy and peace. We get tired, overwhelmed, discouraged. We often demonstrate an inability to cope with life and its difficulties. And life, honestly, can sometimes be a very painful experience. Sometimes the longer you live, the more painful it becomes because you you accumulate a long chronicle of pain and trouble and turmoil and disaster and disappointment. And what happens when we navigate life and there's a weak inner man, 
what comes to the surface, what begins to be that 90% that ultimately will come out to 10 is doubt, fear, anxieties, distrust, sinful behaviors, frustrations, mental strains, emotional and spiritual imbalances. Paul is praying. It's like what he prayed, or it's what he said in Corinthians. Look at this sister verse to this. Therefore, we do not lose heart. For though our outer man is decaying, amen? Everybody's, it's, that's what's happening. I'm 43 and it's more real to me than ever before. I can push back against it. I can exercise against it. I can try products against it. I can do all this stuff, but the decay is happening. It's never lost. Not a one of us are gonna win against time and our bodies breaking down and falling. Like our outer man is decaying. We are wasting away. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day after day. That's what's here. That's what he's praying. I want you to be strengthened, empowered, this explosive power of the Holy Spirit in you so that you can know what it is to be righteous, so that you can delight in the law of the Lord and, and it manifests itself in your behavior and your speech. You're strong enough to respond to what God wants, how God wants you to live. I want the inner man to be firm enough to be able to resist the world, the flesh, the enemy of my soul. I want the inner man to be strong enough so it's not so easily be swayed by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And what Paul says, linchpin, here's what you have. Here's what I want to do with your life. The secret is being strengthened consistently by the Holy Spirit. This is why we are different than any other religion. We believe in a living God, living inside of us, bringing through his person the strength to live out his purposes and plans. And although it's not perfectly. Amen? <laughs> if somebody says it's perfectly, don't trust them. But as a rule in our life, we can figure out how to let the inner man be strengthened to have the ability to live the life God has for us. You see, it's interesting because then he goes on and says this. He says, <clears throat> through his spirit in your inner being that you might be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. If you're like me, you're like, whoa, 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 time out. I've read the first couple chapters of Ephesians. These are believers it's very clear that in chapter one, these people already have the Holy Spirit. Why is Paul praying that God, Christ would dwell in their heart if Christ is already dwelling in their heart? I'm glad you ask. Because he intentionally uses this word. It's such a cool word. 
And I'm not gonna take time to break it down, but essentially it's this, that you and I can move to a place in our life where Christ is not simply just a part of our life, he becomes the center of our life. It's this word for like a home where Christ is either a guest or he is the master of the house. Honestly, this is the hopeful message of the Wesleyan tradition, that you and I can come to a place where we, key word here, surrender our lives to the lordship of Jesus Christ. That simply means that I have come to the conclusion that God can do a much better job with my life than I can. And because that's true, whenever I hear his word, respond to his word, hear his voice, see the truth, I am willing to adopt an all-in attitude. Lord, even if it's not what I see or not how I feel or not what I thought or even not what I want to do, I have come to a place where I believe that he gets it right all the time and I don't. That if I follow him, he will take me to the place he wants me to be. That's lordship. That's what it means to allow Christ to dwell in your heart. And when this is an all in, like this takes us humbling ourselves. It's, it's, a, it's a willingness to say, God, I am so broken and lost and I'm flawed and in this world I've developed all sorts of mentalities and attitudes and actions. I don't even quite get it all, but God, I know that your truth and your word is truth and your spirit is truth. And when you show me how I'm supposed to live, and if it doesn't look like how I'm living, I'm willing to say, all right, I'll change that. That's lordship. And this is the secret ingredient. If you'll surrender, God's spirit will strengthen and you will be able to live out God's purposes and plans. Like, like what, 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 look what happens here. If you'll surrender, it's like this progression in this prayer. I pray that being rooted and established in love, <laughs> that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how high and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Or I would put it this way today. Here's my simple math equation or equation for you. Strength plus surrender equals love. Because what is it God has said everything is about? Love God, love others. God is love, and he's moving us to be a people characterized by love. And he says that for you and I, this progression of 
oh God, I can't do this. I, I try to be good on my own. I try to love people on my own. I can't do it. This is who you've made me. This is what you have for me. This is where you wanna go. But I realize I'm not gonna be able to pull that off. I need your Holy Spirit. I'm willing to be strengthened. I'm actually willing to just surrender myself that the end goal of this is as we do that, as he is in our life, he is creating in our heart the ability to then be rooted and established in love. Love. This is what the people of God are characterized by. This is why in chapters four, five, and six, when he talks about how we relate to one another, how we live amongst one another, you know, even the idea of he visits, like even the Ten Commandments through the Old Testament, don't steal and don't, all this stuff. It's all coming back to I want to create a people that love one another, and when they love one another, life is like this is the world it was meant to be. You see the progression? Because <laughs> then he finishes with that verse that all of us know. Therefore, oh, sorry. Now to him who is able to, bo- to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to the power, same power, that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What happens when I'm strengthened because I'm surrendered and as he is dwelling in me, love is being produced. I'm being able to grasp it together with all God's people. See, you can't love unless you're part of a group. Did you know that? How good of a lover are you if you are by yourself? That kind of of weird. Sorry. Can you really love if you're by yourself on an island? Not really. I guess you can love yourself. You need people to love. That's why this whole dynamic, the church is the big idea. The body of Christ, because it's there we, we experience love, we share love, and we live out God's purposes. We love. And he says, actually, If you'll be willing to just lay down and let me be Lord, if you'll say, okay, I need your spirit, he will actually do more than you can even imagine. Like your life, you're gonna look back and be like, wow, didn't see that. I mean, look, I look at my own life. You know, I ran around Lima when I was 16 and 17 years old. Does anybody know that? I try not to share that. When I was 16 and 17, to where I'm at now, I mean, I got a long way to go. But it's already immeasurably more than what I could have ever dreamed or imagined because of the Holy Spirit that I've given myself to. As I have made him Lord, he works out his purposes in our lives. Amen. Father, As I talked about at the beginning, may your word be something we're willing to wrestle with. Because as we wrestle with it more and more, it becomes alive to us. We get its principles. We see how it's showing us to live. And then the abundant, blessed life begins to happen. Lord, as the pastor of this congregation, 
at the heart of what I desire for our people is for them to live in an experience with you that you are Lord of their life. Because I know if they follow you, surrender to you, you are gonna blow them away with all the good things you do through them. And this place is gonna rock and roll. And so Lord, help us to see this. In the middle of this book, are we gonna trust that you do it better than we can? Are we gonna believe that the best place to be is surrendered, following you completely? You will not fail us in this, I pray. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.